The Fantasy Football Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is presented by WinBet. Bet $50 at WinBet and get $200 in free bets. Bet big, win bigger with WinBet. Head over to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash WinBet. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash W-Y-N-N-B-E-T to claim your free bets today. We're also brought to you by IP Vanish. IP Vanish is the official VPN of the SGPN, and they're offering 70% off if you go to IPVanish.com slash SGP. That's IPVanish.com slash SGP. And make sure to check out our new Discord server, the perfect place to interact and sweat out bets with the entire SGPN crew. Just go to SportsGamblingPodcast.com slash Discord. And welcome into the Fantasy Football Podcast, presented by the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. I am your host for the evening, Justin Bruni. Joining me is SGPN man himself, Rod Gomez. Happy Sunday, sir. How are we doing? I'm doing fantastic, Bruni. So good to actually meet you in person and even nicer to be on a show together. Yeah, absolutely, man. We've been uh, interacting for a little bit now, just, you know, here and there. Hey, man, you got that done. Hey, you got what are you working on, man? You know, all that checking the uh, all the criteria boxes for our content and whatnot. So, yeah, me and Rod have always been, you know, kind of connecting behind the scenes. Now we get to jump on uh, on the pod together and talk some ball. <laughs> Rod, we are 10 days away from the Hall of Fame game. My blood is itching. I am ready for some football. How about yourself? Well, okay, listen, I have to admit that I am already knee-deep in football, and I have been since the Super Bowl ended. But I am ready for NFL football, absolutely. I can't wait for that to start because then – that train drives itself until I, I get to have spring football again. Right, right, exactly, exactly. Yeah, I'm really excited, man. We got the Hall of Fame game, like I said, in ten days. We got the Jags and the and the uh, the Raiders kicking that off, and then I think you know probably that Sunday. I think we still have uh, regular football, so well, regular preseason football, right? So really excited about that. Tonight we're going to be talking about our fantasy football overdraft candidates. This is in redraft formats. We're talking about players right now that are simply just too costly given their ADP or their fantasy uh, draft exposure, right? Whatever rounds they're, they're going in. So we're going to kick it off here with a quarterback position. Uh, who is your first guy up? Who's your first candidate for an overdraft, um, overdraft player in fantasy? You know, for me, and I know that he just got paid, so I know all eyes are on him, but Kyler Murray is the guy that I'm looking at right now. They're, he's going off the board as QB5 right now. Mm -hmm. And last season, he didn't even finish as barely a top 10 quarterback in most leagues. So for me, I, I, and now he's going to be without DeAndre. I mean, look, there's so many things that are happening in Arizona right now that just start to chip away at this guy's mm -hmm. consistency and, and his overall potential. And for me, at QB5, I feel like that's way too high of a price to pay for somebody who I don't even think is going to finish inside the top 10 and, and could barely maybe end up being a borderline top 12 like a, a even a starting quarterback now i mean that's a really hot take i'm sure uh, most people mm -hmm. are going to come at me hardcore saying well his legs and his legs and it, yeah that's true but by the same token kyler murray has lost uh, a rushing weapon around him he's got uh, receiving weapons that are leaving left and right mm -hmm. what does kyler murray have now that he can really rest his, his head on to become a, a quarterback that's worth taking in the fifth spot in these drafts now Talk to me in a month, maybe after things calm down a little bit, maybe I'll be higher on him. But as of right sure. now, I'm not trusting him at a QB5. If, if you saw a reduced sentence to DeAndre Hopkins, would that make you feel a little bit better? Could you could you sneak him somewhere between five and seven, or are you in the, that same territory? 
I don't know, because even DeAndre Hopkins looks like he's on the decline, right? I mean, we didn't see the best out of DeAndre Hopkins at the end of last season. And really, as a fantasy manager, we were just searching and trying to figure out exactly where he fits in to the mix now. Because, again, we just watched him sort of drop off. He had a game here and there, but I think by and large, his consistency wasn't there. And for fantasy managers, that's what you want to see is consistency. And, you know, we didn't see it out of DeAndre Hopkins. So it leads me to believe at the beginning of this season, especially now that he's he's uh, got a, a suspension coming, we may not mm-hmm. see the best out of DeAndre Hopkins this year. And what does that do for Kyler Murray if that's his best option? I do have to assume that Kyler Murray will have to be used more in the rushing game. Like they'll they'll definitely have some more designed runs for him because, like you said, like you know, at the receiver position, they're kind of hurting. They did trade for Marquise Brown. Marquise Brown uh, was top ten last year in total targets. I'm not sure if that's going to be the same scenario in Arizona. You have other targets like Rondell Moore. You still have an aging AJ Green there. Zach Ertz, who came over last year via trade, and you might maybe see you know some Eno Benjamin or Darrell Williams kind of you know clogging it up with some receptions out of the backfield. But like you said, like, where is the ball going to go? Like, who are you, who are you really going to rely on as a, a, a big depth target, like a downfield target? Is that Marquise Brown? I don't, I'm not really sure because once you put him in this uh, in this lineup here in a more vertical offense, I feel like he may you know be shadowed a little bit more. You're, you're going to see defenses picking up on him more often than not. Whereas if they try to go a little bit more run heavy, they might be able to disguise uh, some more play calling that is going to leverage Kyler Murray's rushing ability, but with his um, uptick in rushing, you're going to have that downtick in the passing game. So I, I feel you. In that same type of um, draft draft spot or ADP, you're looking at the guys like Justin Herbert, Lamar Jackson, Tom Brady, Dak Prescott. Who would you prioritize at, at quarterback five if not uh, Kyler Murray? Would it be one of those guys that I mentioned? It'd be Lamar Jackson in that group, right away. Because again, we talked about Marquise Brown, and that's exactly the offense that he's coming from. And we know that Lamar Jackson, mm-hmm. we know what Lamar Jackson is. We know that he's going to get his rushes. He was a thousand yard rusher already by himself. Mm-hmm. And, and he's got the arm to, to put onto it and it doesn't use it very often, but that triple option offense over there in, in Baltimore to me is a way better situation than Kyler Murray where he's at right now, because yeah, Kyler mm-hmm. Murray did get one of Lamar Jackson's old weapons in Marquise Brown, but we didn't get to see really Marquise Brown flourish because Baltimore doesn't throw the ball. You should know more than anybody that Baltimore does not throw the ball uh, very often in that offense. And so watching Marquise Brown, uh, maybe in what he could do, but he's got another rushing quarterback now. And Kyler, I say rushing because Kyler Murray can use his legs. But yeah, I I wouldn't call him as a rush first as like Lamar is, but he is definitely a quarterback that runs like he is a guy that's going to extend the play. He doesn't have as many as designed runs, I'd say, but I'd say they're on the way there. He's definitely going to have some this season, giving his roster. Um the way it's comprised right now. Yeah. I mean, and James Conner there at running back for him uh, still does. I think James Conner is still a a decent enough running back and it could actually be better now that Chase Edmonds is gone and has the backfield to himself that he's not looking over his shoulder. So who knows? I do have Kyler Murray at quarterback five. The the issue with me in, in this spot is I have Allen, Mahomes, Burrow, and Herbert. And after like that shelf, like after that tier, I'm typically looking for, you know, my Jonathan Taylor, if I can, you know, in like a super flex format, if those guys go one through four, I'm looking his way. If it then goes Jonathan Taylor and I'm behind that pick, maybe I'm going Cooper Cup or I'm going Justin Jefferson, you know, so I have Kyler Murray at quarterback five, but that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm going to get him at that spot. I would probably prefer to draft him. 
at the end of the first round or somewhere in the second round, ideally in the second round for sure in super flex leagues. Like if you get him in the second round, I do think that's kind of a bargain. You know, if you can get him around quarterback nine through 11, I think that that could come home uh, to some positive production. Hopefully if uh, DeAndre Hopkins gets a reduced sentence or comes back and, you know, that offense can really uh, catch fire at that point. Yeah, we'll move over to a lot of oh, they're gonna. I'm sorry, I just didn't. They're gonna. Go they're just gonna have a lot of weeks where they're gonna try to prove themselves. And and to me, Kyler Murray, I don't know that he can carry a team by himself, uh, all by himself. So sure. he may get in a lot more trouble than than uh, he would if he had everybody healthy and and on the field. Agreed. Agreed. All right, my uh, first candidate up here I have is uh, Trey Lance. He is being drafted as quarterback twelve, and he is my quarterback twenty two. My biggest bugaboo about him is just the guys that are being drafted behind him. Guys like Aaron Rodgers, Kirk Cousins, Derek Carr, Matthew Stafford. I have no idea why a quarterback who has only played two games, he has limited snaps in the NFL, is being drafted ahead of players that have that 35-plus passing touchdown potential, that have 4,000 yards per a year passing potential. Am I, am I crazy here? I feel like everyone is drafting him at his ceiling third, fourth round, and everyone's just diving into this hype train for Trey Lance. Am I nuts? I, as a 49er fan, am well documented yeah. on my Close on to the my situation. Team. Exactly, on Trey Lance. I didn't want him. I wanted Justin Fields. Like, I knew Ooh, that Trey okay. Lance was going to be a gigantic question mark. You didn't see much of him in the FB, I mean, in the FCS. You know, and right. that's that's not the same level that you want. And now we're resting all of our hopes on this guy when Jimmy Garoppolo, mind you, has not moved yet. I I'm sorry. I know the speculation is probably that he's going to go somewhere. And if I were the Browns, my phone would be all over. I don't care what I had to spend on the guy. I mean, obviously, that's a lot of money on Deshaun Watson, but <clears throat> I would want him and I want him badly. So if Jimmy Garoppolo is still there, I, I listen, I don't know why. Everybody has this straight vitriol for Jimmy G. All he's done is lead you to a couple of uh, playoff, uh, you know, and a Super Bowl. Like the guy's mm -hmm. actually done stuff for us. And, and and here we were years before with guys that couldn't really get us there. So, look, if Jimmy G starts, I still think this has got to be his job. Trey Lance is not mm -hmm. ready yet. He hasn't shown enough, even in training camp, if you watch the videos. So for him to be drafted, Bruni, to your point, well above guys like Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady, even I, I don't, I don't get it. Trey Lance hasn't started, but a few downs in the NFL, mm -hmm. and we're drafting well, he, him as the goat. Yeah, he started a couple of games. He had the game against um, was it the Cardinals in the in Houston, I believe. Mm -hmm. It was yeah, so, it was, um, yeah, Arizona and Houston. He started those games. Sixteen for twenty three in the Houston game, two hundred and forty nine passing yards, two touchdowns and interception. It's not bad. Uh, it's a little bit better than 50% completion uh, percentage. He had 16 completions on 23 attempts. It's not bad. The Arizona game, he was 15 for 29, 192 passing yards and a passing touchdown. And then he had the 16 for 89, 16 rushing attempts for 89 rushing yards. I feel like that's what people are really getting hung up on here is like, oh, this guy's going to rush close to 1,000 yards. He's going to pass for three to uh, three to 4,000 yards. Like, guys, I don't see it. I do not see it. If he is the starter – Week one, I believe it's going to be a situation where they are completely on the ground. We saw Jimmy Garoppolo make it to the Super Bowl with what? Seven, eight, nine passing attempts in the NFC Championship against the Packers. This offense is built to protect the quarterback position. They don't need 
you know, Aaron Rodgers. They don't need Tom Brady to win games. Now, albeit they might need those guys to actually win a Super Bowl one of these days. They were they were nearly there. And Jimmy Garoppolo that year, all he did was not get in the way. You know, he just, he just didn't make those key mistakes that you see a lot of quarterback, quarterbacks out there make. Could he make the last throw? Did he find Emmanuel Sanders downfield in the fourth quarter? No, he didn't make the final play, but he did enough to get them there. Well, I should say he didn't do bad enough to get them there, you know, negatively, right? He's not a guy that overly kills your team. Lance, he could be in a similar situation, but in that in that narrative, I'm not buying that he's going to be a world beater. I'm not buying that he is going to live up to the potential of his round four draft stock or QB12 draft stock for that matter. I mean, I'm I'm I'll be honest here. I got guys well ahead of him. He's at quarterback 22 on my list. So guys that I have ahead of him are Jared Goff, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, who you mentioned, Carson Wentz, that everybody and their mother is hating. I have him at quarterback 18. He finished at quarterback 12 last year, exactly where Lance is being drafted right now. You know, there's just a different level of expectations. And I feel like Lance is that atypical overdraft candidate this offseason. There's just too much hype. There's all the excitement, but nothing really to back it up. So for me, He's a big no-no in the fourth round. Like I said, Matthew Stafford, Kirk Cousins, Derek Carr, and even Aaron Rodgers, who is actually my next guy on the list here, I would all take ahead of him. In this recent mock draft that me and Rod are sharing here, Lance went one spot behind Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers was draft, drafted with the 10th pick of the fourth round. Lance went 4-11. Guys that went after, after those two in the very next rounds, round five, Matthew Stafford, uh, the first pick of that round, Kirk Cousins in the middle of that round, Derek Carr in the back end of that round. I'm just going to move right over to the Aaron Rodgers argument here because he's my next guy in the list. And I and Rod, I do feel like I'm really nitpicking with this one. You know, he's going uh, one spot ahead of Lance, like I just mentioned, and then uh, ahead of those three quarterbacks. Now, specifically to the argument with those guys that I mentioned, Stafford, Cousins, and Carr. I just feel like all three of those guys need to go ahead of Aaron Rodgers this year. Their skill sets at the wide receiver wide receiver position are far higher than what the Packers have. Specifically, Derek Carr, who now has Devontae Adams, who just left the Packers, Darren Waller, and Hunter Renfro. That's a great three-man combination. You look at Matthew Stafford. Yeah, they lost Odell Beckham Jr., but they got back Allen Robinson in the, in the free agency, right? Him plus Cooper Cup. That's pretty damn good. And then you look at Kirk Cousins, who has one of the best receivers in the league in Justin Jefferson and more of an old, reliable, now journeyman in Adam Thielen. Those are much better situations to me than, say, Alan Lazard, Christian Watson, Sammy Watkins, even, you know, if you're, you know, a truther in like the Romeo Dubes or, you know, the second or third coming, I should say, of Randall Cobb. Like these are just not the same level of weapons that Aaron Rodgers has had in the past and kind of nitpicking on that a little bit. You know, I was, I was running some numbers here. I'm, you know, what I'm expecting here realistically is regression out of Aaron Rodgers, 37 passing touchdowns last year, 48 passing touchdowns, two seasons ago. This is the first season since 2009 that he hasn't had like that wide receiver one skill set like a Devonte Adams, like a Jordy Nelson, like a Greg Jennings, like a Donald driver. Even I had to go back to 2009 for that one. That, so before that, he just didn't start. <laughs> like He was just on the bench. He has had a, a, those type of level players every single year since 2009. This group that he has now, can you buy him at quarterback 11? Like, Is his efficiency enough for you at this spot? You can't completely count him out as a QB1. You, I mean, and that's, that's, I guess, the long and the short of it. But 
you very much could be very cautious about it when you have the ghost of Sammy Watkins, when you've got, like you said, the, the 15th coming of Randall Cobb on your team. I mean, he basically is throwing to guys that just are, I mean, it's like a, a list of castoffs, you know, but they're good. They're just, they're just didn't fit on any other team that they were on. And now that's why they're all together. So right. the question this season is not, can Aaron Rodgers? Uh, how much will he regress, but can he make this group of receivers around him now better? Because I've always argued that Aaron Rodgers is the type of quarterback that can make a receiver better just by being on the field with mm-hmm. him. But now also you have to take into account, is this going to be a heavy run first team? Because with Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon's back again, you can't afford to sort of give Aaron, Aaron Rodgers the, the opportunity to step back a couple of steps and say, all right, look, I'm going to hand the ball off where I might have tried to chuck this up to, to uh, uh, Devontae Adams in the past. Mm-hmm. Maybe this is a right. run where, or a down where we just run. Because you lose a 1,000-yard receiver and you don't replace him with one, you're, you're going to be hamstrung right off the jump. So. It's tough. It's yeah. tough. And I guess, you know, there are there is the argument that, hey, Alan Lazard, he's the next coming of Jordy Nelson. He's the next Greg Jennings. And maybe that's true. Like, if you look at his numbers down the stretch of last season, they were really good. They, they, they were really impressive if you look at his game log, uh, specifically through the, uh, the fantasy football championships. You know, I think he had, was it five touchdowns in his last five weeks? And there was only one of those weeks where he had less than five fantasy points. The only issue was, is in those same exact weeks, Devontae Adams was lighting the league on fire. He had two multiple touchdown games in that stretch. He had two uh, games over 30 fantasy points in that stretch. So is Alan Lazard going to continue to replicate that production as the solo one, number one guy? Or is it a situation where they're, you know, it's just week to week? Like, oh, Randall Cobb had a touchdown this week. Oh, Lazard had a touchdown this week. My big uh, point to bring this all home is that there's going to be touchdown regression. Rodgers can still throw for the same amount of yards. He can still not throw a lot of interceptions that will not necessarily win you leagues, but it won't lose you leagues, right? It's not going to be the week where you lost, you know, say four points because of interceptions, right? That that can lose you a week just by your quarterback throwing interceptions. So there is some upside there. So he's being drafted as quarterback 11. I have him about 14 or 15. It's like, again, like it feels like I'm nitpicking because like the skill, the skill set is there. Right. The arm is still there. The 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 big brain behind Aaron Rodgers is still there. It's just that, like you said, it's probably going to be more run focused. There's less talent at the wide receiver position. There's more question marks, which leads me to drafting guys with less question marks. The Staffords, the cars, the cousins. Right. Um, I'm trying to think of another guy just like in that type of like same criteria. Like, I don't know if I would take Jameis Winston on him or I, I rather I wouldn't wait for Jameis Winston rather than Aaron Rodgers. Justin Fields, I like a lot. I'm a Bears fan. He could take a step forward this year, kind of similar to like what Jalen Hurts did last year. That's a, a common narrative in the fantasy football industry. So again, that's not someone I would draft in round four, but it's someone that I could say, well, I'll sit on this position because there actually is a little bit more depth to it this year. So like I said, it feels like nitpicking. I'm only a couple of picks off of his ADP, but I just feel like those three guys specifically should be valued more so than Rodgers this year. I, I feel like there's some name. Go ahead. I will ask you. Would you take Wilson? Guy, they know. I noticed they got taken back to back. Wilson or Rogers in this spot? Zach Wilson? No, no, Russell Wilson. Oh, Russ Wilson. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, I would. I would prioritize Russ Wilson over Aaron Rodgers. Been a little bit less accurate on my rankings. I have Rodgers at 14, and I have Wilson at 11. So where he's being drafted? Yes, I would absolutely draft Russell Wilson there. 
because if I'm getting him in the fourth round, he's either a very good value for my first quarterback taken, or I'm shoring up the first pick uh, or my first quarterback pick from rounds, whatever, one through three. So I would feel really good with him either starting out as my value first quarterback or as the guy to round out my first two, um, because obviously if I took someone before him, I'm picking a really good option in rounds one through three. So yeah, I would definitely take Russell Wilson uh, ahead of Aaron Rodgers. Wilson falls into that into that pocket where you have Cousins, Carr, Stafford. I have Hertz um, in between there, so I have Stafford at nine, Hertz at ten, Wilson at eleven, Cousins at twelve, and Carr at thirteen, and then we fall to Aaron Rodgers. Just, a, I mean, it, it's it's hilarious to me sometimes what Aaron Rodgers is is such a a polarizing figure, you know, because his numbers are always there and you don't, you always mm-hmm. seem to forget that they're always there. But yet every year we go in and we analyze, man, Aaron Rodgers can't do this again. Aaron Rodgers can't do this again. And then he proves us wrong. So I, is, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I don't know that I want that headache for myself when I'm, when I'm drafting in the fantasy uh, football season. So even in 2019, when he threw for 26 passing touchdowns and only had four interceptions, he was quarterback nine. And I, I feel like that could be a very similar similar level of production. He played he played all sixteen games. He had four thousand passing yards, twenty six passing touchdowns, and four interceptions. That's a great season. That, I mean, that's that's a very good season. Obviously, we have different levels to this game now. We have you know the Mahomes and the Herberts and the Burrows that are just throwing you know throwing out wicked crazy stats. I mean, we saw Jared Goff throw for five thousand yards not that not that long ago in this league. So. Realistically, anything can happen, but when you're looking at the roster, when you're looking at draft stock, I just feel like it's a little bit too high. Approximately about a round and a half, I, I would say, because if those three guys are going in the uh, the middle of round five or beginning middle of end of round five, I would say that Rodgers should probably fall to the end of round five or the starting of round six, somewhere in that range. So tread with caution, dra- fantasy drafters. All right, we are moving on to the running back position. Rod, who is your first candidate for uh, being overdrafted at, at the running back position? Well, it's funny because I'm going to go ahead and say somebody that I brought up earlier, and that's Chase Edmonds. That Miami backfield, it, it's it's like the Niners backfield from a couple of years ago mm-hmm. where they just grabbed every single running back that they could and, and said, all right, one of you guys is going to stick to the wall. He's currently going as running back 34. And you may say to me, Rod, that doesn't sound very high. Well, it does in a crowded backfield. There are a lot more options around that area that I would feel more comfortable with. And I know that Justin will probably rip off a few for me here. But as I continue to make the case against Edmonds is that you just can't trust anybody in this Miami backfield with Gaskin still there, Raheem Mostert Mm -hmm. there now. Like there's just so many names in that backfield. And to me, Chase Edmonds does not differentiate himself that much from a Miles Gaskin, from a, a Raheem Mostert. So this is a back end of like flex sort of territory for RB 34. And that's still, still too expensive for me to take a chance on chase Edmonds. When I, I feel mm-hmm. like I can get a much better pick around that area of somebody that I know can contribute at a flex level week in and week out. Whereas I feel like I'm playing the bench game with chase. Do I start him this week? Do I not? Do I wait or, and use this bench spot for a couple more weeks to just hang on and see if he does emerge. The upside to me is not there to even take him at all, let alone at running back 34. I agree with you. So his ADP has him going as the first pick of round nine. He went um, one pick ahead of Damian Harris, who I would much rather have at that ADP. But mostly receivers were drafted around him in our most recent mock. So after him, you had Kadarius Tony, Devontae Smith, Alan Lazard, Christian Kirk. 
a couple of those options I would probably take over Edmonds, like uh, Christian Kirk, Alan Lazard, um, even Dalton Schultz went in this round. That's that's a really good one. Um, not really many other running backs there. Clyde Edwards Hilaire was taking at the end of round nine, which is an, uh, another big no no for me. I'm uh, I'm on the Rojo train. I'm I'm, I'm hashtag free Rojo. Uh, but I agree with you about that Miami backfield. Uh, you didn't even mention Sony Michelle. I mean, th- there's plenty of mouse to feeds there, and uh, you, we don't really know what the situation is going to be. My situation with the Miami uh, backfield is stay away for as long as possible. Like, if you want a piece, that's okay. Just make sure it's your last pick. It's your second to last pick. I got Miles Gaskin in round 22, the last pick of the Scott Fishbowl. I'm like, okay, I'll take it. Like, I'm like, you know, consider the other options there. Like, I agree with you. We don't know who's going to be the guy. If you just look last year, Miles Gaskins was used in very sparingly hot and cold, hot and cold production, right? What's to say that's going to be any different this year? And not just to say with Miles Gaskin, but with any of these guys, Edmonds, Mostert, Sony Michelle, I feel like they all are going to have different roles as a running back. You have your like downhill runner, like Sony Michelle. You have a Raheem Mostert that can kind of do a little bit of everything. You have Chase Edmonds, who's more of like a scat back, and a Miles Gaskin, who, you know, he doesn't seem like a powerful downhill runner, but they use him in the red zone a lot. They they, they use a lot of him in close. They like to get him targets in the red zone, rushing attempts down there. I don't think that'll be the case this year, but it's not to say that any one of those guys can't be an option for you in fantasy. It's just that you're never going to know which one it's going to be. These guys are best ball options. They're DFS plays. They're not reliable pieces that are going to round out your fantasy roster. So yeah, in my opinion, they're all stay away options unless the cost is nothing. You know, you pick them off of waivers for zero. You pick them with your last pick, your second to last pick. These are no risk opportunities, right? Where, hey, you see one injury in training camp, you see two injury in- injuries in training camp, and you're like, wow, that no risk option is now, you know, we won't say a blue stock, but you know, it's, it's you know, it's a penny that's climbing the charts, we'll say, right? Um, and then you just look at their offense in general, it's just filled with a lot of talent, right? I mean, I'm, we're going to get to some Mike Isecki talk. He's one of my overdraft candidates for tight end. It's just an overloaded roster right now. You don't really know where the ball is going to go on a given play. You also have a new head coach in Mike McDaniel where, you know, what are we? What type of system are we going to be running here? Is it going to be like, you know, 49ers light where we're running the ball all the time, where we're trying to, you know, prevent opportunities for our quarterback to make a mistake because he's, you know, a quarterback that a lot of fantasy owners don't trust, right? So, yeah, I'm I'm not buying into that situation as far as the running backs go, unless it's very, very risk adverse. It's, you know, no, nothing to, to gamble with at all. Like I said, waivers that cost nothing, last pick, second to last pick, you know, a situation where you're not afraid to drop the guy, essentially, right? Yeah, and even still, I think Miles Gaskin would be the one where I would put my faith in over Chase Edmonds in that situation. Sure. If I was going to pick up somebody for nothing, then Miles mm-hmm. Gaskin would be the guy that I'd, I'd go for as opposed to Chase Edmonds because I just don't know. Because even in that Arizona backfield, it was all muddled, and James Conner started to gri- a grip a little bit more of the control, which is why he's still there and Chase Edmonds is gone. I don't even know if I saw Miles Gaskins drafted in our recent mock because I see Sony Michelle in round 12, and he's typically going ahead of him. I'm, I'm The way I'm looking at this, the way I'm reading our mock here, he was not drafted in, oh, there he is, round 16 of 18. So the third of the last round. And that roster drafted Van Jefferson and Teddy Bridgewater after that Miles Gaskin pick. So still pretty risk adverse, I would say. Like you're, you're really not losing much there because that's the territory where, you know, after the first couple of weeks, if he's not producing, he's going to be on waivers. Although that one took Ramondre Stevenson too as a running back. So <laughs> Jonathan Taylor and Javante Williams started it. So I, I think they were just basically... Uh, rolling the dice at that point. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that same two, that same team actually had mustered a couple of rounds ahead. I, I'm not completely out on that, but I do prefer to to diversify a little bit more, like especially at the back end of my drafts. Like if you did the same thing with Eno Benjamin and um, Darrell Williams of of uh, Arizona, I'd be I'd be okay with that. I, I I'd be all right with that. But Baskin and Monster, I don't think I, honestly neither of those options could work out. Uh, what was the year they had? They had Jordan Howard and who else did they bring in? Matt Breida. And they did absolutely nothing for them. Remember that? Mm-hmm. And like yeah, Jordan Howard was taking like 40 miners. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. So there you go. And then like that season, Howard was getting like one rushing yard for a touchdown, one rushing yard for a touchdown. Like it was diabolical what they were doing with, with the running back situation. Hopefully Mike McDaniel is just trying to confuse all of us, you know, because if he's confusing us at home, they're the other eight season in the league. They're they're having the same problems. We're all trying to figure it out. Who's going to be good? Who's going to be bad? How teams are going to be using who? Right? If we don't know, the other coaches don't know either. So it's not really a bad thing from a football perspective. Not the greatest from a fantasy uh, perspective. All yeah. right, let's move on here. My my next guy up. This one's definitely a polarizing take. Uh, Travis Etienne. He is being drafted as about running back uh, sixteen or seventeen. He's my running back twenty one. Everyone, everyone. This is very similar to Trey Lance is in on Travis Etienne. I want to be clear that I'm not completely out on him. I am just out on him in super flex form, super flex formats, excuse me, being drafted in the third or fourth round. That is far too rich. Single quarterback league, third, third or fourth round, cool. No problem with it. Most likely you won't even have a quarterback drafted before then unless someone's like really reaching. Uh, best ball format, single quarterback, same thing. No, no problem. No problem at all. But specifically in super flex formats where you're seeing a significant amount of starting quarterbacks being drafted in rounds one through three, it's just too rich for me. The guys that are being drafted around him, I feel are they have higher ceilings. I'm not saying that James Robinson is going to come back and take his job, but you could see that narrative play out towards the end of the season, the last four six weeks of of the season where you see a little bit of dip in opportunity for ETN because there is another viable running back there and they could just be really bad again. And they might be ready to pack it in after 10 games, right? So down the second half of the season, I don't love ETN. And because of that, I cannot draft him in the third or fourth round of uh, super flex leagues. It's just not doable for me. The guys that are being drafted behind him, easy grabs. I will easily take T Higgins over him. I will easily take, uh, well, all the quarterbacks are really simple. You know, the same ones that we mentioned, Cousins, Stafford, Carr, et cetera. But David Montgomery, uh, Josh Jacobs, Antonio Gibson, Elijah Mitchell being drafted in the seventh round. Three rounds later, the guy averaged 100 yards per game when available. Like, it, it's a little bit nuts for me to see him going that high. The skill set is there. The talent is there. I get it. But these are, you know, what you're seeing right now is like practice videos of him attacking garbage cans. You know, it's not the same speed. He hasn't played a snap in the NFL. Do you think he's worth this ceiling, the, this high price in the fourth round? Well, so, and I talked about this too, and I was on the Fantasy Alarm Show with Howard Bender, and he brought up ETN, and I said, you know, my first my first thing was, I feel bad for James Robinson. I mean, the guy was a thousand-yard rusher in and of his own right, right? And just all of a sudden, here comes Travis ETN. Everybody's like, oh, we love you so much, Travis. You're our new running back one. And James is over here going, well, what did I just do last season, right? I was a rookie, and I killed it. Now you're bringing another rookie in, and you're saying he's going to kill it. And then, of course, Travis ETN goes down, and they're like, oh, we're stuck with James Robinson. But James Robinson's a 1,000-yard rusher of his own right. So how, how can you be stuck with a guy that can produce the way James Robinson is? And so for me, I think 
this is a, a, just a Jacksonville type of a thing to do in that they, they take a talented guy and they bury him with somebody mm-hmm. that is unproven. So I want to see more of James Robinson. I know the world wants to see more Travis Etienne, but I still like James Robinson as a running back. I still like him as a running back one. So yes, I, I at Travis Etienne at this price is way too costly for me because I think by midseason, we're going to see this become more of a split backfield as it should be uh, in Jacksonville. David Montgomery, easy, like you said. Josh Jacobs, easy. J.K. Dobbins, easy pick for me over uh, over a guy like ETN because, again, we just like the Trey Lance thing, we haven't seen it happen in the NFL yet. So why mm. are we so excited about this guy when we don't know what's going to happen? I get the fantasies all about gauging upside and trying to figure and be the guy that's first. Right. You want to be you want to plant your flag. I want to be ETN's biggest fan before everybody else is. But I'm okay not to be honest with you. And I'm okay missing it if he does go off. And if I lose a championship because of it, so be it. But I I think I'm out on ETN at this price. I agree that fantasy football is not about hitting home runs in the fourth round. It's about hitting home runs in rounds eight, nine plus. Right. Like bringing home the value from where there was no value. It's, it's supposed to be easy to make picks in the fourth or fifth round, and I feel like there are so many more players that I would easily select over Travis Etienne. The run of wide receivers and running backs before him, are it's like it's a big shelf that, he, that we fall off of from Etienne. You see guys ahead of him like Deontay Johnson, Keenan Allen, Debo Samuel, Nick Chubb, Brees Hall, Ty, uh, even Tyree Kill, who I'm lower on, but A.J. Brown, C.D. Lamb. James Conner, Mike Evans, all of those names go should easily go ahead of him. If any of those names are falling to you and you have the option between ETM or, or those guys, that's the direction you should go. There's so many more safe floors that are being drafted around him. I mentioned T. Higgins. T. Higgins should easily go for over another 1,000 yards this season, even still playing next to Jamar Chase because the Bengals are just going to pass the ball a ton. They're going to be competing in games. That's just the way it's going to be. You know, Jalen Waddle falls in right behind him. I don't know if I'm as high because, again, not really that high on the, the Miami receivers. But D, like I said, DJ Moore, Cortland Sutton, Mike Williams, Marquise Brown, Terry McLaurin, those are all guys I would take over him at w- the wide receiver position because in round four, you have to be flexible. You can't just be committed to like overdrafting running backs or overdrafting wide receivers in this spot in your draft when it's very early on where you may have already selected two quarterbacks in a super flex format. You need a really safe floor at either running back or wide receiver. And it feels like it's too much of a gamble. It feels like it's too much of a risk. And for me, it just makes it too costly. You want to back him up to rounds five, six, or seven. I'm all in. I'm yeah. all in. I can I can draft him around guys like you know Amon Ross, St. Brown. I can draft him around guys like AJ Dillon and and Tony Pollard. That's fine for me. I, I'm good with that. Drafting him right ahead of those guys, but drafting him three or four rounds ahead, eh, eh, a little too rich. A little too rich. Can't do it. And and really, realistically, Jacksonville, it's not like it's like the, the dream boat of like fantasy football production, right? Like they have all these guys, you know, uh, Marvin Jones, Zay Jones, Christian Kirk. They brought in Evan Ingram, right? Bro, at the end of week one, it's like Jamal Agnew and La- Laquan Treadwell are going to be leading the team in targets. You know what I'm saying? Like they're just a weird group, you know? It's it's it's, it's a, always a weird bunch. And, you know, since like DJ Shark has been out of there, I'm I'm good. You know, like I'm I like DJ Shark's upside. These guys. Too many question marks. I'm still not sold to that Trevor Lawrence is the answer there. I, I really sure. am not. Like, we haven't seen. That's fair. Yeah, we just haven't seen it. And and I know that you got to give these guys a couple more years, but, you know, I don't know. It looks bleak in Jacksonville, and they, they should probably mm-hmm. just 
get themselves situated for the first pick in every draft before now and forever. Agreed. Agreed. All right. We're going to be moving over to the wide receiver position, but first, before we do, we're going to hit a quick word from our sponsors. We'll be right back after this. Make sure to get down on wins, bet 50, win $200 promotion, where a $50 bet qualifies you for up to $200 in free bets. Also, be sure to check out the Ultimate Fantasy Football Experience. If you bet $500 or more in Wins Sportsbook or Casino before the end of this month, July 31st, you'll be entered to win the Ultimate Fantasy Football Draft Experience at Encore Beach Club, including a two-night stay at Win Resorts for you and your entire league. Multiple entries allowed. There's so much to choose from, and all you have to do is head over to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash win bet that sports gambling podcast.com slash w y n n b e t to claim your free bets today offer subject to change terms and conditions at winbet.com must be 21 or older and present in the state where playthrough win bet is available if you or someone you know has a gambling problem please call 1-800-522-4700 if you have yet to make the switch from slack to discord what are you waiting for there is a world of opportunity waiting for you over at the sgp and discord we have moved and we have moved all the fun conversations, all of the action, all of the bets, all of the sweating, everything you got going on every single day, and a fat guy food aisle. How could you not want to be part of the SGPN Discord? It is there. Just go to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash Discord. Join the conversation again, sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash Discord. All right, level with me, listeners. We've all been in a situation at some point in our lives where we've been a little tight on cash. Maybe you could only afford to put a few gallons of gas in your tank, or you got another save the date moment coming up, or you're wondering how to afford that special gift for that special someone. That's where Dave can help. If you're living paycheck to paycheck or struggling to make ends meet, it can be really stressful when unexpected expenses come up. Now, Dave can help you get out of a pinch when you really need it. Dave is the banking app that can help you get up to $500 instantly with extra cash. You can finally tackle those expenses expenses that have been stressing you out without any hangups. There's no interest and no credit check needed. So if you're in a pinch and need some extra help, download Dave and think of it as a helping hand from the future you. Download the Dave app from the App Store right now. That's D-A-V-E. Sign up for an extra cash account and get up to $500 instantly. For terms and conditions, go to dave.com slash legal. The future you will thank you. Instant transfer fees apply. Banking provided by Evolve. Member FDIC. Okay, and we're back. We're talking fantasy football overdraft candidates, and we have moved on to the wide receiver position. I'm your host, Justin Bruni. I'm joined with Rod Villagomez. Rod, who are you looking at at the wide receiver position that's costing just too much right now in fantasy football drafts? Look, I know that we talked about Justin Goff being uh, a guy that can pass for a lot of yards at one point in time. But look, Amon Ross St. Brown, this is another guy where the hype is there. Is he talented? Absolutely, but I'm telling you right now that the Browns just feel like a wasteland for me. And we're the Lions. He showed some sparks. I'm the Lions, the Browns. I have the Browns. <laughs> the Lions uh, are like a wasteland for me. And and where Amon Ross St. Brown showed flashes last season of being uh, a great receiver and and could be a great receiver if he had an actual, I guess, superstar quarterback. Because look, yeah, Jared Goff did great things with the Rams, but. Sometimes you got to figure that he's in a good situation. You move him to Detroit, <laughs> what happens? It's not a great situation. So we've seen that he wasn't necessarily as good as he was with the Rams. So for Amon Ross St. Brown to be on that, it, uh, 
Lions receiving core. I don't know why I'm thinking Browns, but yes, the Lions receiving core. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't think it offers enough value. He's going at wide receiver 21. I mean, that's that's as a wide receiver too. And I don't know that we saw enough out of him last year to warrant wide receiver two price, uh, especially in a redraft situation where there's mm-hmm. a lot of, of other guys around him that I am way more willing to take. Uh, he got, he went with the first pick of round or the last pick of round six, rather. But you look at the picks that go out that went after him. There was Mooney, Elijah Moore, which I even think I like more. I know that it's the jets and I know the jets are even mm-hmm. worse situation than the lions, but you know, for me, Elijah Mitchell went there, Brandon, Ayuk, Adam Thielen, even like, those are kind of guys that I would probably take over Monroe St. Brown. And I'm, I'm probably not popular for that. Cause that's the sexy name floating around right now. He is, he is. And I I feel like repeating last season, which by the way, in PPR formats, he did finish his wide receiver 21, but he needed to cash a lot of checks to close out the season. He had all five of his receiving touchdowns last year in the last six weeks of the season. So he did not start off great. And I don't, and I think through those weeks he had, yeah, every one of those weeks he had double digit targets. That's when they were missing, I believe, Hawkinson. They didn't really have much other help there. Now you bring in DJ Shark. They drafted Jamison Williams, who by my accounts may not be available for the first several weeks of the season, but still you have a healthy Hawkinson. You added DJ Shark. Uh, you, you get back roster clogs like Khalif Raymond, who they actually randomly paid. I think he's making like 10 million a year. Crazy. Uh, and Quintez Cephas, who they really like for some reason. They, they still really like him. He was hurt uh, at the beginning of last year. Now I'm not saying that those guys are like fantasy targets, but they're roster clogs. They're going to get snaps. They're going to be on the field. And more than likely, if Amon Ra is drawing that, you know, A1 type of coverage from the defense, if they're really accounting for him and Hawkinson, you may see some of those other guys, you know, get a little bit more floatage, right? Same with DeAndre Swift, who they really, really love. This is a team that's going to really try to run the ball. So when you look at his target share, he had 119 targets last year, 90 catches. That's great. That, that, that's that's really good for a rookie, in my opinion. Had 912 receiving yards. Again, most of that brought home at the back half of the season. So if you kind of balance that out, I feel like he's kind of in that the edge of wide receiver two and wide receiver three territory. But to your point, the guys behind him, I do like a lot more. Darnell Mooney, uh, Elijah Moore, who you mentioned. Gabriel Davis is a big one. Juju Smith-Schuster, about, what, eight picks, nine picks later. Uh, Russell Gage. Going to be a really good option to start the season. May not be as balanced throughout the year because Godwin will come back at some point uh, for Tampa and kind of you know spur that moment for him. Um, and Adam Thielen, who you mentioned, even rounds later, Hunter Renfro still like him a lot, even with Devonte Adams in the in the in the picture. Uh, Tyler Lockett, who I feel like is the safest option to go over 850 receiving yards with probably Geno Smith at quarterback. Um, Alan Lazard, who we've talked about, Christian Kirk, who I'm not in love with, but. He's still the wide receiver one for the Jags. Uh, there's a lot of options here that are going behind him that I feel like I don't have to rush to him in round six or the end of round six, I should say, beginning of round seven, right? I feel like he is the type of player that, you know, draft him if he falls into your lap, but don't overdraft him. Don't don't climb him up to, to wide receiver 21 because like you said, more than likely he's not going to be able to finish in that same territory with these other guys around him, right? More concentration on the run game, Shark now in the mix, Jamison Williams at some point. And like we said, those roster cloggers. So um, I would feel that the additions, if anything, would probably um, hype up the the value of Hawkinson a little bit. I feel like he is more of a safer target because he's going to be playing in more of the middle of the field. He's going to be playing or running routes, I should say, closer to the line of scrimmage, kind of slipping off blocks and things like that. The guy that you're going to find 
just open. Like he, he he's going to get more open looks than contested looks of your Amon Ross St. Browns or DJ Shark. So for that, I, I agree with you. Like there's, there's going to be more mouths to feed and it's probably a reach in, in that space in the sixth round. End of round seven, middle of round seven, maybe probably, probably a better spot for him. Let me see where I have him in my rankings really quick. My personal rankings. I have met 26, so that's five spots about a tier behind where he finished last year, which I think is pretty comparable. A couple injuries happen, he could be right back up there, but not somewhere where you want to draft at their ceiling from last year when they had no competition for targets. Yeah, and I like that too because that's the end of that's about a flex range, and that's that's where I would feel comfortable with throwing him as a flex because I you mm -hmm. brought up the point, and I I like it too because his coverage is going to change, right? I mean, obviously now we know. Like last year, they didn't know. They they saw the flashes. And, and leagues, yeah, they, they catch up quickly. But the last five games of the season for a lot of, of teams is just, okay, well, we're either in the playoffs or we're not in the playoffs. We're fighting for the playoffs. Where they're not worried too much about Amon Ross St. Brown. Well, now they can game right. plan for him specifically, week in and week out. And I think now that's where you're going to start to see a little bit of slippage. And, you know, Jared Goff is Jared Goff. Like, I'm, I'm sorry. It's right. Just, I, I could see him finishing close to where he did last year. Um, if you see an injury like DJ Shark, not the cleanest bill of health. Those other guys that I mentioned, like uh, Cephas, not the cleanest bill of health. Same thing for Hawkinson. He's missed time, right? You see some of those dominoes start to fall. You could definitely see him replicate this production from last year or even go over the top of it. Uh, DeAndre Swift, their running back one, also hasn't had the cleanest bill of health. He's in and out of the lineup, right? So that is one of Amon Ra's uh, abilities is availability. If you can just stay in the lineup, good things can happen. So yeah, wide receiver 26, I'll definitely take a shot. But again, that's you know five wide receivers, probably about a half a round or maybe even a whole round, depending your um, your fantasy draft flow, just how things are going, right? Absolutely. All right, my next guy up, we've kind of hinted at the Dolphins a little bit. I've got Tyreek Hill. It really hurts me. Uh, I'm in a, a keeper league where Deuces has been my fantasy team name since he was on the just a punt return team for the Chiefs. Okay, like I was, I bought into this guy a long time ago, and I feel like I'm about to have the biggest fall off the shelf moment in that keeper league because I can't get rid of him. He's just like he's you know based off where I have him, you know he's like kept in the fifth round now. And he's been taxed all the way down from like round 11 over the past five years. You know what I mean? Like, I can't give him up. He's my guy. But, yeah, I'm, I'm expecting to get hurt. I'm ready to get hurt in that league because he's being drafted at the same level he was being drafted as when he was on the Chiefs. You know, you're paying for previous season's production, not knowing what to expect. A lot of people think, you know, um, McDaniels is going to use him as like Debo Samuel. He's going to be a running back. He's going to be a receiver. I, I don't see that working out. Like, yeah, we've seen the Chiefs do that at times, but it hasn't been his identity. You know what I mean? Like Debo Samuel at the end of last year, like he was a running back. He was like running back six, seven, eight most weeks, right? So this it's not going to be that situation, especially with the depth that they have at running back. There was a reason why Debo had to do that, right? So I'm not buying that narrative. The, the second narrative is, is that there's a lot of mouths to feed. We already mentioned all the running backs. They have Jalen Waddle, who busted onto the scene last year. They have Mike Gusecki, who to me is kind of like a, a clogger. You know, he's he's, he's not going to be getting a, a big uh, demand, but he's still there, right? It's just not a situation that I love. Too many question marks. And the biggest one is Tua Tagovailoa. Like, I, he is not a quarterback that I trust. The Dolphins have made many attempts to even get Tom Brady, Deshaun Watson. They don't. They do not trust him as their quarterback. They got rid of his head coach that was absolutely in love with them. Well, maybe he wasn't that in love with them, but he used them enough, and they had enough success together to uh, for both of them to continue working in the league. So 
I want to jump off the the soapbox a little bit here. What, what what do you think about Hill? Is he still someone that you want to attack, avoid entirely, or just get at value? Uh, no, man, stay stay on that soapbox. As as a manager for Patrick Mahomes, I can understand all of that pain because you're right. I mean, at least you're bearing for a, uh, a letdown because at this point, it's about to come. Just look at what he had to deal with the last few seasons, right? A, a quarterback that threw for 5,000, 4,000, 4,700, 4,800. Where is he going? To a guy that threw for 2,653 yards. Granted, he was injured, but I don't think he would have threw for another 2,000 yards in five games <laughs> over the last or six games over the last part of the season. So there is just not going to be nearly as much action that uh, Tyree Kill is going to see this season than he has in the last. And it's not to say that they're not going to try to get him the ball because you sign a guy like Tariq Hill for one reason. You want that explosive receiver. You want that guy. You want the deuces. That's what you want. And you're going to get him. But unfortunately, the opportunity for that is not there in a place like Miami like it was in Kansas City. So for Tyreek Hill, can he get you another 1,000-yard season? Probably not because there weren't a lot of 1,000-yard receivers in that team or on that team the last couple of seasons. So I just, like I said, for Tyreek Hill, it's, it's a difficult road to get there and to get back to where he was before, especially with exactly like you said, Tua as the, as the quarterback, because there's just not a lot of opportunity there. Their thousand yard receiver from last year, right? (laughs) Was, was uh, Jalen Waddle. And that was it behind him. It was literally a, a sea of absolutely nothing. Mike Gusecki, 780, we'll bring him mm-hmm. up later. But after that, it was Devontae Parker at 515. So, I mean, him and Jalen Water are going to fight for a lot of yardage, and that could tear into each each of their songs. So, so he had 2,600 passing yards. You referenced Waddle. He had 1,015. You referenced Parker, who had about 500. That's 15. That's right, right there. 1,500 yards from your top two targets. How are you going to mix Tyreek Hill into that, right? Like, to me, you've got to tear this whole system down, build something completely new, and it's got to be focused on keeping the ball in Hill's hands. I don't think that there's enough time. I don't think they have, honestly, just the roster to do it. Like, if you had a better quarterback there, you know, if they had gotten into the mix for, hey, even like Jimmy Garoppolo, I'd feel a little bit better because he can get the ball downfield. That's not what Tua does. Very play-it-safe, RPO-style offense, I just don't think it's what they have is going to cut it. Talk to me next year. Talk to me next year when they probably land a free agent quarterback, when they make a move for somebody. That's that's when you're going to want Hill. So if you're looking in like, let's say, let's shift over to Dynasty Leagues a little bit, you know, Hill might be an option that you could like, you could get at a deal. You may not have to spend a lot. You'll have to eat a year. But if you feel like your team right now is in rebuild mode, he might be a guy that you could get for a little bit cheaper than you you would expect, you know, in in a format where you're holding on to his asset for you know however many years he's got left, right? That would be a situation I'd be interested in. And redraft, stay stay away from him. I mean, again, where you the guys that you can draft at his ADP, those are guys that you expect to have. Well, maybe not Tyreek level seasons, but very good seasons. Guys like. Some of the guys that I mentioned, Debo Samuel, Keenan Allen, Deontay Johnson, the three wide receivers that were drafted after him. Even T. Higgins, I would draft over Tyreek Hill right now. Looking at my rankings, I have him at wide receiver 14. Ahead of him, those exact guys that I mentioned, uh, Debo, Deontay, T. Higgins. I still have A.J. Brown and Terry McLaurin ahead of him. I feel like a lot of people are drafting Hill over those guys. Um, 
guys that I have just behind him that I feel honestly on draft day, like if I'm feeling nervous, if, if I've got the itch, I may pull them ahead of him. Uh, Marquise Brown, Allen Robinson, DJ Moore, Brandon Cooks, who I'm really in love with. Uh, the guys after those, after those players, that's probably a good shelf. Like I just would not let him fall off of, which is wide receiver 19 or 20, because then I'm starting the rounds of like Michael Pittman, Mike Williams, Cortland Sutton, and Jalen Waddle. I have him at uh, wide receiver 22. I, I don't really want to, you know, blow him off for the year that he had last year. I feel like he could be an integral target, especially if the defense is just trying to play keep, uh, you know, keep tabs on Tyreek Hill. There could be a big season for for Waddle there. It's a talented group, but it's a deeper group, and Hill hasn't really had to worry about deep talent on his roster with the Chiefs. It was him and Kelsey, and that's it. One-two punch, and it was a knockout pretty much every time, right? We've seen Hill put up 40, 50 points and a half. Don't bet on it. Those days are over. And unless they get you know a big-arm quarterback there next year, you're not going to see that for some uh, for some time from, uh, from Tyreek Hill. No. And I find it interesting, too, that Waddle went a couple of receivers after Tyreek Hill. In fact, in this mock draft, he was the next receiver taken, Jalen Waddle after Tyreek Hill. So uh, I, I find that very interesting. I think that was, no, I think you're looking the other direction there because where where is he at? Jim oh, no. Waddle. No, okay, you're right. He he went to the other, I'm sorry. It was the it was the snake that got me. But yeah, it well, there okay. was still, but there was still four receivers in between them. That's really not that much. That's a very yeah. similar situation we've seen in years past with like Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, um, Adam Thielen and Jeff, Justin Jefferson when, when Jefferson was a, a rookie, right? Um, Metcalf and Lockett. We see this, you know, pretty frequently. You, in my opinion, you want to take the guy at value unless the when you're buying them at the at their ceiling, you're just you know you're all in, and that and that's what you have to be. You know, um, that's why I love Lockett so much farther behind Metcalf this year because. You're going to have a guy like Geno Smith, who's probably the starter, who's not going to be a big deep thought, deep ball threat type of quarterback. He's going to be hitting his marks in between the in between the sticks, in between the numbers. So uh, that fits the mold for Tyler Lockett for me. But in all those circumstances, even you know we mentioned Ed, Clyde Edwards-Helaire and Rojo a little bit earlier. I want the value pick. I don't I, honestly though. I I just want Clyde Edwards-Helaire to go ahead of Rojo, so I can then just take Rojo around later. I don't want anything to do with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. That's maybe not the best example. But you know what I mean. You see one domino fall, and you're like, okay, cool. I'm in the clear. This next round, two rounds later, what, whatever it is you can get at value for that for that next option, you don't have to pay that ceiling price. All right, we're moving into uh, tight ends. This will round out our conversation for the night. Been a long one and a good one. Uh, who's your first guy up here at the tight end position? We, we might. I think we might actually butt heads on this one. Yeah, yeah, this is this is something that uh, everybody loves, and they love them some Cole Komet, and that name is so hot on the the list. But look, as much as I love Justin Fields, again, this is an unproven. Well, yeah, we butt heads because you're a Bears fan, <laughs> but yeah, this is an unproven commodity still in that in that situation. They still have David Montgomery, uh, and, mm -hmm. and to me, I feel like Cole Komet never was the guy that everybody wanted him to be right he was he was good but everybody was like oh Cole Komet the next Rob Gronkowski but I never fully saw that out of Cole Komet so to me to expect him to be tight end 11 right out of the shoot I, I just to, I look can he absolutely again like I we, anything is possible in the fantasy football world but show me the path and maybe Justin you can do this show me the path to where Cole Komet hits tight end 11 by the end of this season because we both know that the tight end position is always a crapshoot anyways mm -hmm. but for Cole Komet to finish tight end 11 seems like a little bit of a stretch to me given the the fact that he's still in this Bears offense that 
is is always going to be run first, especially when they've got guys like David Montgomery behind him, right? I mean, and and that to me, absolutely, yeah. And Justin Fields, in and of his own right, has legs that he can use. That he'll probably end up being uh, unshackled a little bit more this season and, and and allowed to let loose a little more. So, you know, maybe Justin Fields grows a little bit as a quarterback and can find the tight end. And we all know young quarterbacks in the tight end. That whole, uh, you know, they love their tight ends because they're always around the line of scrimmage. I get that too. Right. But yeah, I, I don't know. I, to me, it just feels a little too rich for my blood at, at tight end 11 for Cole Komet. So he was tight end 21 last year with 60 catches and 93 targets. And I think that's the argument that everybody has. The targets are going to go up. The offense is going to be more efficient. And I believe he was second on the team in targets through, uh, through last season. And they just don't have anybody else to catch the ball. They have Darnell Mooney. And then after him, like, who are, who are we going to trust? You know, some are actually starting to buy into Valus Jones. I'm not going to be drafting him. I, you know, if, if he winds up, you know, hitting his marks, great. I'll, you know, I'll bid on him. I don't think there'll be much to bid on. Even if he flashes in the first couple of weeks of the season, I don't think he's going to cost a lot. Byron Pringle, Aquamia St. Brown, they just traded for Nikhil Harry. They have random roster clogs like Tajay Sharp and Dante Pettis and, you know, Daz Newsom, who was drafted a couple of years ago, who I, you know, could be a cut candidate, to be honest. And then you just look at the the other tight ends. There's really no competition. Ryan Griffin and James O'Shaughnessy are, are going to be run blockers. Cole Komet has that, you know, kind of, you know, when he was in college, he was being used as a wide receiver and a tight end at Notre Dame. I'm also a Notre Dame fan, so I'm a big, I'm a big Cole Komet stand. Like, I'm not hiding anything here. I'm showing all my cards. But Justin Fields is getting better. The arm looks much, much better. Like, when you look at his tape uh, from year one OTAs to year two OTAs, there's a far cleaner ball coming out of his hands. It's got more zip. He's more accurate. If you follow him on Instagram like I do, you get all the yoga. You get all the stretching. A lot, a lot of Tom Brady in there. A lot of Pilates going on with Justin, Justin Fields. You know, and you're obviously excited about you know him and his playmaking ability. You know, he should be able to kind of extend some plays, be better this year. I have him at tight end ten, and that might be favorable. I might be playing a homer there. I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. Am I going to draft him around that space? I'm not really sure, you know, like when you're when we're looking at the mock and you're seeing like how these guys are kind of falling into place here. So Cole Komet is falling into round. Where was it? It's, it's late. I mean, when you're looking at single um, or I'm sorry, super flex leagues and you don't have like that um, plat or premium, I should say, I was about to say platinum, but premium scoring for tight ends. If it's still like one point per reception, then you're going to see, you know, them fall down the boards here. So like even my candidates, they're they're, they're not necessarily, you know, um, you know, overdraft candidates are more like do not draft candidates. Why can I not find Cole Komet here, though? I see him. I see him going at round 13 toward the tail end there of round 13, one of the last three yes. picks. Round 13. So the guys that went ahead of him, Dallas Goddard, Pat Fryermuth, Zach Ertz, those are good options. Those, 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 are, those are decent options, I'll say. After him, Mike Gusecki, Irv Smith, Albert Okubanam, Hunter Henry, Dawson Knox. The only guy that I would take over him in that mix is Dawson Knox. Everyone else, I feel like, falls in line just fine. You know, he's just not someone that you want to reach for. You don't want to overpay for him. So I can agree with you on that. But realistically, in these super flex leagues, and, you know, again, if you're not, you know, offering that premium scoring, if it's not point and a half to the tight end, realistically, if he falls to you anywhere from rounds 13 to 15 and he's your starter, is it really that risky? You know, you know what I mean. That's that's why to me, like some of these late rounder tight or tight ends, it's really just like, do you want them or do you not? And I can understand if someone doesn't want Cole Komet. He only has two career receiving touchdowns, and he scored none last year. I I get that. I sympathize with that. I'm just expecting progression for Fields, the offense in general. 
Uh, it's kind of a, an, a, an addition by subtraction situation. You bring in Eberflus, you lose, you know, the bonehead Matt Nagy. I feel like the offense is going to be a lot, lot better than people project. But again, I'm a Bears fan, so you got to, you know, take one one word with the other, right? Like, obviously, I'm going to be favorable to them, but I firmly believe that from a football perspective, this team will be better. At least the offense will be better. If anything, I feel like the the defense is taking a step back, but I feel like the offense will be tailored to Justin Fields' strengths and weaknesses, right? We're going to not do things that are they're going to expose him, and we're going to do more things to help him leverage the offense. And I feel like a lot of that is throwing to your tight end open, throwing to Darnell Mooney open, and probably using the roster clogs as some deep threats because hopefully those guys are going to be used to open the field. Those names that I mentioned, you know, Valus Jones. Yeah, he's old. He's just as old as Juju Smith-Schuster. Yeah, I've heard all the hate. I get it, okay? Not not a great option, but he's fast. He can open up the field. Same thing for Byron Pringle. He's fast, and he's also a very good run blocker. I do not like a Kwame St. Brown. But again, he kind of fits that mold. Someone with a bigger body that can stretch the field and hopefully open up space underneath for fields to throw open to the better targets like a Cole Komet and like a Darnell Mooney. And I don't see this team adding like a real talent at receiver. You know what I mean? Like we we're dogging Aaron, Aaron Rodgers earlier. Maybe Will Fuller comes to town. Maybe Julio Jones comes to town. I doubt it. I don't know why those dudes would want to live in Green Bay. A lot of people don't visit Green Bay without before signing there. They really should. There's not a lot to do. But uh, I feel like Cole Komet could be a decent option. Again, he's my tight end 10. But when you're in that space in the back end of the drafts, just pick someone that you're comfortable with. If you're not comfortable with him, I get it. No problem. I think he, he could have a good year. All right. Next up, we'll go to my guy, a couple of my guys. I'll, I'll keep mine pretty quick here because it's it's for me, it's more about I just I'm not targeting them. I have Pat Fryermuth at tight end 13 and Mike Isecki at tight end 15. I feel like those offenses are going to be just big question marks. We've already talked about the Dolphins and, you know, where's the ball going to go there? We don't trust Tua. I feel like we're, I feel like we're kind of in agreement on, on Gusecki, no? Yeah, I, I, yeah. I mean, I want to like Gusecki, but yeah, Miami's just a, an offense I'm staying away from. I actually traded Gusecki and a first round pick for George Kittle in a dynasty league. It's a, it's a deeper league. And I and I felt like I was paying a little bit more for it because it's like it's George Kittle. He's getting a little bit older. He's a little bit more beat up. But I feel safer in a, a potential top five option in Kittle. You know what I mean? So I had I had no issue with that. Um, and I had an extra first round pick. Um, I I had traded like Mahomes uh, and some seconds for Burrow and some firsts. So that that was you know f- good for me. I was able to use one of those to plus Gasecki for a Kittle. That was awesome. Um, looking at Fryermuth and the Steelers offense. I, th- I think we're, we could both agree that there's going to be less passing volume without Ben Roethlisberger there. And obviously there's still the question mark of who's the guy. I think it's Mitch and that's no, that within no favorability to the bears whatsoever. I do firmly believe that Mitch is going to be better than Kenny Pickett, at least through year one. So it, it's tough for me to, you know, kind of figure out the direction of this offense. Are they going to try to lean on Najee? Are they going to try to lean on Deontay? I definitely think he's going to have less than seven receiving touchdowns. He's going to have less targets, all that combined, plus you know probably the offense taking a little bit of a step backwards. He, he's kind of just off my radar. Tight end 13, yeah, I have him ranked ahead of other guys like Okubadam, Gasecki even. Gasecki's at 15. Fant, Henry, Higby, uh, Logan Thomas, Austin Hooper. Like I feel like he's safe to draft ahead of those guys, but I also feel like he's just not someone that I want. He's not someone that I'm targeting. What do you think? 
Yeah, and that's the thing about it, too. Like, Mitch Trubisky, he didn't necessarily use Jimmy Graham all that well anyways when they were together in Chicago. Right. And you know all about Trubisky. I mean, that's that's your bread and butter right there and how I, frustrating as he bad is. As he was, as bad as he was, the one time that I saw him play in person, he roasted the Washington football team. Actually, as a matter of fact, that was the last Monday night football game the Washington team played as the Redskins. Ah. I, I, I was there, and Mitch threw three touchdowns in the first half. Two of them, too. Oh, man, it's going to drive me nuts. The uh, the receiver, he was so small and tiny. It was so funny. Oh, it's going to drive me nuts. I can't think of his name. I'm going to have to look it up. But yeah, I've, I've seen him. I've seen him do some stuff. I was I was very excited about that. Now, albeit he didn't do anything in the second half of that game. But I don't know. I feel like he can still uh, he can still perform. He can still uh, produce. I'll tell you that I saw him only once in person as well. And he roasted my uh, San Francisco 49ers. So uh, we we have that in common where Mitch Trubisky performed well when we watched him play. But again, I mean, in the Steelers offense, it's not, I, I don't know that Pat Fryermuth is going to have the same sort of success because, I mean, even if you look at his game logs, especially toward the end, I mean, he had four targets, three targets. He was catching touchdowns and and that's Ben Roethlisberger more than it's anything, you know? Like right. that game where he had two touchdowns, he saw six targets. He had nine targets the next week, seven targets. But, I mean, I don't know that he's going to get that many targets from Mitch Trubisky. And and to be honest with you, even if he does, I don't know how many of those he's going to turn into favorable fantasy days because Mitch Trubisky is not a touchdown thrower by all rights and accounts. And even still, like I said, he didn't use Jimmy Graham to his full potential. And the mm-hmm. yardage isn't there for Farmuth. So he is totally touchdown dependent in that his best game was 58 yards last season, you know, and that's, that's in a slew of 32, 26, 22, you know, 11, seven. Yeah. Pratt Firemuth does not have the consistency for me to be that highly drafted of a tight end. Yeah. I, like I said, I have him down at 13. I think he's being drafted around like nine or 10. Um, but again, you know, like where he's being drafted, we said he went just ahead of, uh, Cole comment or two rounds ahead and round 11, you know, looking at the other options there, you know, I, I guess I would probably attack, you know, like a Jarvis Landry. Uh, I like the idea of Kenny Walker, uh, the third potentially taking over that backfield, you know, earlier than probably a lot of people expect. I'm just not a Rashad Penny guy. Um, some of the other names drafted around there, uh, you know, like Rondell Moore, some of the quarterbacks like a Wentz, uh, a Mac Jones, a Zach Wilson, Man, even a J.D. McKissick in the next round, I would probably ha- want more so than a Pat Fryermuth. Um, I just feel like where he's drafted, like there's little to l- there's little risk, but at the same time, there's just some really you know good options around him that I would just feel more comfortable with because, yeah, I, I agree with you. He's not going to have the same amount of targets. There's definitely touchdown regression. He only had what eight point two yards per catch. That probably stays close to the same. I, I think we can agree on that. Like probably somewhere seven to nine at most. Um, and yeah, the depth of targets are, are going to be much lower too. I don't have what his uh, number was last year, but he finished as tight end 13 with seven receiving touchdowns. I can't see him replicating that. It's interesting that I ha- actually have him at that same mark, or I have him at 14. I have him at 13, so I have him exactly where he finished last year. That might I might need to correct that. That might be a little bit too rich, but like I said, in the back end of these drafts, when it's like around 11 or more, realistically, you're not taking too much risk, but that is someone that could fill in your flex. That is someone that could be propped up after an injury domino falls or someone gets traded or cut or whatever, you know, through training camp. We're obviously pretty early to this still. You know, we're going to be coming back for more, you know, kind of like market watch upgrades here for you guys as we get closer to drafts. But I feel like right now, 
you can just find something better. You know, I, I like a lot of the tight ends. You know, they're being drafted at the end of drafts. Guys like, where was Gerald Everett going? Gerald Everett went in round 17, lonesome. There wasn't a tight end drafted in a round ahead of him or a tight end drafted around behind him. I don't know how, why he's falling so far. I love a guy like him, uh, David Njoku at his value at um, tight end, or not tight end, round 15, excuse me, uh, especially if you get some better news on Deshaun Watson. Uh, but realistically, they don't have a ton of pass catchers there, like reliable guys. Uh, and then Dawson Knox in round 15, too. I feel like that's the pick of all picks right there. You're playing in one of the best offenses in the league. You know, obviously, you know, a lot of people are higher on Gabriel Davis, kind of taking the step next step forward there with Buffalo. Like he's going to be that guy. But I like Dawson Knox as a huge red zone target. You know, I, I don't see why he couldn't finish in that same in that same space anywhere from tight end, you know, nine to 13. Well, Dawson Knox for me, that that's the guy that I took in my Scott Fishbowl as my main tight end because there you well, go. first of all, tight ends were coming off the board by one guy. One guy drafted like three tight ends almost in a row. So I had to Love grab that. somebody. <laughs> no, nobody loved that. But I had to grab somebody, and Dawson Knox was that guy. And I did not even consider a guy like Fryermuth. I, I didn't consider a guy like Goddard who went before him or or a Cole right. Komet. I knew with Dawson Knox being on the board, that was value with everybody else that was around him, I, I knew I had to grab him. So yeah, I'm all in on Dawson Knox too this season. Yeah. He, he was also very touchdown dependent last year. Knox uh, finished eighth in PPR formats and seventh in standard leagues at the tight end position. That's, that's pretty good. Right. But again, held up on nine receiving touchdowns. Now, Gabriel Davis playing more. Yeah. That could eat into that, you know, but Stefan Diggs, I'm not saying he's, he's, he gets shut down in the red zone, but he draws so, so much attention that the ball just has to go somewhere else. Like at, at some point they have to distribute and, and, and try to, you know, fool the defense. Right. I don't think Jamison Crowder is going to be that guy. I still don't believe even with James cook that they have like that, just like a one running back option in the red zone. So I feel like where, yeah, he may have less than nine. If he still has seven, he's probably in the same range that we have him, like nine through tight end 11. But here's the bugaboo. He's getting drafted around 15. He's getting drafted behind Gasecki, Irv Smith, Okubanam, Hunter Henry, Cole Komet, like we just mentioned. Like, that's amazing, amazing value. Uh, if, if he's sitting there, you you got to grab him. I would grab him in round 11 where Ertz and Fryermuth win. I, I, I would feel safe in that. I wouldn't feel like I'm overdrafting him. I mean, I could maybe get him at better value pending the rest of my draft, like, you know, who I'm drafting against. But, yeah, I feel like he'll be a much better option than uh, some of these guys that we uh, that we went off on here. Absolutely. All right. Like we said, it's been a long one. It's been a good one. Rod, what do you have to share with the folks before we head out? Yeah, just make sure you're following all of my exploits on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network website. Find the NASCAR gambling, CFL gambling, all that other good stuff that's got going on. Make sure you join the Discord. We've got spring football going on. Of course, we've got fantasy football, DFS, NASCAR all that good stuff. Follow me on Twitter at RJ Gomez, And of course, subscribe to the show, as we always say on the SGPN app. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And you can find the fantasy football podcast at SGPN fantasy on Twitter. And you can find me, Justin Bruni on Twitter at T I T T H J B. Uh, take care, be well, be good. And if you can't be good, be good at it. We'll see you.